Well, good morning. I know you ordered uh, a chocolate sundae and you just got plain vanilla, you know. I got a call last night from Pastor, a text from him. He said he wasn't feeling well. And uh, would I preach today? And uh, so if I fall asleep up here, no. Uh, as it was, the, of course, the Lord knows all things. And I was already working on a lesson for my class this morning. And from that came today's message, okay? And uh, we passed out the prayer cards. And we are uh, going to be making this a, a year of prayer. And so I'm going to be speaking this morning on prayer. Now, uh, Jacob reminded my wife to remind me that I need to introduce myself. I'm so, man, look at this wonderful group of guests we have today for the baby dedication. Uh, we're going to be dedicating her each Sunday for the next year, okay? So you all are welcome to come back. But uh, what a tremendous crowd. I, I tell you what, that's, that's quite a testimony. And we're so proud of them and of McKenna and uh, so thankful for them. Of course, I appreciate any baby that's got hair, you know. Uh, but my name is Mike Tester. My wife, Carolyn, would you wave? And I, we work here uh, with the uh, First Impressions Ministry, the Greeters Ministry. In fact, uh, I want to give a little pitch for that. We've had some of, our or some of our greeters that have had to move. They've moved to Nebraska. And we've had some others that have kind of uh, dropped out. And so I need to recruit some more greeters. And it's only for two Sundays out of six Sundays. And you do finish up about 11 o'clock. And so if you uh, would like to greet and welcome people to Island, ba Island Baptist Church, that's in Hong Kong. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to do that? Welcome them to Island Baptist Church in Hong Kong, there in Shang Shui. And uh, that's where we were before we left the mission field. And, uh, but uh, to, where are we at? Alliance Baptist Church. Alliance Church, okay? Alliance Life Church. But uh, we're, we would welcome you to do that. Just see me afterwards and we'll work you into the schedule. And uh, we also work with the mob. That's our 50 and better group. Say the mob, yes, it stands for mature overcoming believers. But as you look at our group, you might think it stands for mostly overweight Baptists, you know. <laughs> Uh, what was the other one, Carolyn? No, don't say yet. Something about old biddies. I, I don't know, but the, you know. <laughs> that was not mine. I can't even remember it. My wife won't repeat it, so. But we're glad you're here, and I hope it's a blessing to you today. Do be in prayer for our pastor. As I said, he is sick. And uh, part of the lesson that I was discussing in our class this morning is found in Acts chapter 4. Acts 4, we're not going to do any reading from there, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 18 as well. But uh, here in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 3 precedes it with the story of uh, uh, Peter uh, and uh, uh, them having healed a, a lame man that was sitting outside the temple. And so as, as that news spread, people were gathered around and they were uh, amazed and they were listening to Peter and the others as they would tell about Jesus Christ and of course the Jewish leaders at that time were were afraid that they were losing grip on their power on the people and so they arrested them and brought them in and they threatened them not to speak anymore in that name by which they did that they couldn't deny it the man was there everybody saw it was a miracle but they didn't want that name of Jesus to be spread any further than what Jesus had accomplished 
And so they came and they told him, now we don't want you to preach anymore in this name. And they forbid them to do it and persecuted them. And they, of course, said, you know, whether it's best to listen to you or to God, he said, you decide who we're going to listen to. Of course, they're going to listen to God. And so they threatened them again, and then they turned them loose. And in verse 23, we pick up the story. It says, and they being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Now, so here was their opportunity. They told everything that had happened, the beatings, the threats, the pressure that was put upon them. You know, and that makes for a good story, doesn't it? We, we like to complain. We like to tell what's happened in our lives. You know, we have to be careful of that because sometimes we might even convince ourselves that it's really true. Uh, but, you know, some of you didn't get that. Uh, <laughs> that it's as bad as what, they, what we think it is. But they did that. And so they went to the group, and so the group began to say, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord. So they begin to pray. And can I tell you something? When you're going through things, not the last thing, but the first thing you need to do is to pray. We always look at prayer as being the thing of last resorts, when really it needs to be the first resort. It needs to be first that's on our calendar. And if you think not, then perhaps your view of prayer is not high enough. Your understanding of prayer is not what it needs to be. I mean, Paul in 1 Thessalonians, when he was writing to the church there and all the problems that he knew they were going to be facing, said to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And it needs to be such a vital part of our life uh, that we need to be known as people of prayer. Now, I don't pray as much as I should. I think it's pretty safe to say you don't pray as much as you should. But if you have ever been around a person whose life is centered in prayer, boy, it makes a difference, doesn't it? They're not afraid. They might not understand, but they're not doubtful. And they have a life that is built on prayer. But sometimes our prayers are not quite What's the word I'm looking for? The caliber that they need to be? I mean, you know, it, it, it needs to come from the heart. Now, we worked overseas for 40 years, okay? And we had a lot of people that were not familiar with Christians, not familiar with church, not familiar with the language of the Bible, you know, and, and they were always intimidated to pray out loud, usually, in front of other people. They sometimes had trouble learning how to pray themselves, you know, they didn't quite know how to do it. And uh, they were always afraid that they wouldn't have those phrases. And, you know, if you've been saved for any length of time, if you've been a believer for any length of time, we kind of pick up a different vocabulary, don't we? You know? And for some of you, that might be too much mafan. Now, you say mafan, yeah, that's Chinese. See, every once in a while, I'll throw in a Chinese word because I've used it for 40 years, you know? And you have no idea what I'm saying. And it, it means too much trouble. So sometimes, you know, it's just a little bit too much trouble to use those new terminologies and things. And so we're, we're intimidated by it. But I've learned the best praying is that which is done from the heart, and it's like talking to God. Okay? We all have our different accents. We all have our different uh, backgrounds. And it doesn't hurt to pray right where you are. You don't have to learn all the terms. You don't have to do any of that. 
You just need to talk to God. And I think that's the spirit and the attitude that we need to learn is that prayer is just talking with God. Reading his word is God talking to us. You know? And sometimes the answer is there all along. And we need, we need to look for it. But here they begin to pray. All right, now this is what I want you to notice. They said, Lord, you are God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nation rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. You know, now, we just read that, and if you really don't think about it, you think, okay. But what, he is, what they are praying here is that the Jews, Pontius Pilate, everything else, God knew all that was going to happen, and God let it happen. There's nothing that happens in your life or my life that God doesn't already know is going to happen. Now, he's not the cause of evil. Sin is in this world. We don't have to do anything. You know, it's like a piece of iron. You don't have to do anything for iron to begin to rust. All right? We don't have to do anything for sin to get a start. It's already here. And he said, you know, so God knew all about this, to do whatsoever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, that's important. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And what I want you to notice about this, there's only two more verses in that prayer, or three. And they did not ask God for anything for the first four verses. Not a thing. They were praising God, you see. They were praising God for what he had done before they ever asked God for And then they didn't ask him to take it away. They asked what? That we will be bold during this time. That we will have courage during this time. That we will have faith during this time. Now, you can't build muscles if you don't exercise those muscles. You know, the Bible talks about no faith, little faith, faith, and much faith. Now, you can look at me and say, boy, he really, no, he really doesn't, does he? He doesn't do a lot of exercising. Get some of these young guys up here, you know, and they got the rippling muscles and things like this, you know. Genetics. We have all sorts of excuses, don't we? But faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You learn to pray by praying, all right? So this, this was in Acts. This was two chapters after Pentecost, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all right? Pentecost was 50 days after that time. First and second Thessalonians are two of the earliest books written in the New Testament. All right? And so, you know, in one of those, he says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing, right? And so you, you, you have all of this. And, and we look in, in Luke chapter 18, and that's where we're going to be for a little bit. Not very long, just for a little bit. This is just a little bit before Christ was crucified. 
And in Luke chapter 18, he speaks parables unto them. And the purpose of those parables would be that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. He must have been a good teacher because he was teaching them using parables on why they should pray. And within two months after he was crucified and gone from them and they were amidst the persecution, what's one of the things they learned to do? Pray. Pray. And he, the reason why he chose that time to teach that because in chapter 17 of the book of Luke, he's talking about the uh, last days and the fact that he would be coming again. And he likened the last days to the days of Noah. If you know anything about the Old Testament, the days of Noah, we know the, the world situation that Noah lived in, all the sin that was there, all the problems that were there that were rampant. And it was a wicked time. And so they, uh, he, was, he likened the last days before his return, before Christ's return, to those of the day of Noah that they would be difficult days, days that would not be conducive to faith. I think if we look at today's world, we're intimidated to speak out about our faith and about what's right. We're intimidated to take the stands perhaps sometimes that we need to take. We're afraid to speak out against the injustices, against the sin, against the different things. And, you know, we, we, we've let the world shape our thinking on that. And so we just kind of keep our mouths shut. So now he's talking to them about living lives of faith in those days that are devoid of faith. So I would dare say that he's also talking to us about living our lives in a world that is devoid of faith. All right? During World War II, when the bombing was so intense on the city of London, a sign appeared in front of one of the churches in London that read, if your knees knock together, kneel on them. If your knees knock together, kneel on them. That's almost a restatement of what our Lord said here in this parable, the reason for his teaching, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And it's in our times of deepest trouble and trials and heartache. You know, and I, I look out over this group and, and I see a lot of people that I don't know, but I see some folks that I, I know you are going through deep waters in your lives. I know you're struggling with job. I know you're struggling with your relationship with your spouse. I know you're struggling perhaps with older parents that are needing help or in bad health. I know that you're troubling, that you're troubled with your kids. We live in a world of trouble. And while living in a world of trouble, we need to learn that we are also in a world of faith. Here's something I, I, I thought of this morning. The purpose of praying is to change us, not necessarily change our circumstances.
You say, well, why wouldn't we want our circumstances changed? Because usually we want our circumstances changed because they're not pleasant. You get sick, you go to the doctor, you need a shot. You want the shot? You need the shot? If you want to get well, do you get the shot? All right? We live in a world of sin. We live in a world with bad circumstances. But most of the time our prayer is to God is to change our circumstances. That's not what they did there in the book of Acts. They prayed half of their prayer praising God for who he was. And then they prayed that God would give them strength and faith to continue doing what they were doing. So per the purpose of praying is to change us, not necessarily our circumstances. So how does that change us then? What usually happens when we pray and the circumstances don't change? Hmm? What happens? Well, God doesn't love me. If he loved me, why is this happening to me? Right? Or because of something that we've done, we think God's punishing us. Sin has its results. God didn't cause the results. The results are there. We make bad choices. And with the bad choices come the bad consequences. Or our accuser is there, just like he accused Adam and Eve in the garden, Job, and all the different ones. He accuses us. He, they, he, he makes us think that God is not good. If he was good, these things wouldn't happen to you. He wants us to doubt the goodness of God. Now, it's, it's easy in a situation like this to think about the goodness of God and to praise God. But when you're in the hospital and you're holding the hand of that one who's dying, and you thank God for his goodness, not so easy, is it? When the doctor comes with those words, it's cancer. Is it good? Is it easy to think about the goodness of God? You need to read Philippians chapter 4 on that. So, how when, why to pray. We owe it to ourselves to pray. And I think this is perhaps one of the most important ones. You see, in the infinite mercy of God, we have been given a new life, right? We didn't deserve it. We were undeserving, but God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We did not deserve it, but he's given us new life. And by the miracle of the new birth, we have been made partakers of that divine nature, and this life can only be maintained by prayer. 
2 Peter 1, 4 says, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see, he's given us all that we need. He's, he's the God of peace. He gives the peace that passeth all understanding. He's the God who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. But like Peter walking on the water, we, we get so consumed with the wind and the waves that we forget that he's the one who commanded us to go walk on the water. And that he's there. And that he'll take our hand. And that he'll never leave us or forsake us. But we're not looking for his presence. We're looking for that solution to the problem. And if it's not his will, and you're not trusting and believing in his presence, then what are you going to do? We owe it to others to pray. In the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 12, Israel has chosen a king. They looked around and they saw the other nations, how well they were doing, and you know what they did? They said, well, we want a king too. Well, who was their king? Who was the ruler in Israel at that time? Jehovah was. God was. But they wanted a king like the other nations. Isn't that still our problem today? We, 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 we want to be like other people? You know, you're going to keep up with the Joneses? Kids don't want to be different. You know, we'd come back from Taiwan and I'm trying to practice my Chinese while we're home in the States and so I'd speak Chinese and sometimes it would get me in trouble because one time we were at Northeast Mall and coming down the escalator in Sears and I said, oh, and Brian spoke up. He said, where's the big fat guy? I said, Brian, if I wanted him to know it in English, I would have said it in English. That's why I said it in Chinese. And my kids would never practice Chinese while they were in the state. They didn't speak it. Why? They didn't want to be different. None of their kid friends spoke Chinese. We don't want to be different. And so Israel wanted a king like the other nations. And so they asked for a king. And Samuel got mad. Doesn't it make you mad when some of your family members or, or, or somebody, your friends of yours, and you've given them advice and they don't take your advice and, and then they happen and, you know, want to say, what do we want to say? Serves you right, right? And so Samuel, he's blasting them. He said, you wanted a king, all right. You've done this and this and this and this and this, and God's going to give you a king. And the people were shocked, and they repented. He said, oh, Samuel, don't, don't, don't quit praying for us. I mean, he had already told him he was going to pray for the rain and the storms to come during the wheat harvest. If that had happened and ruined the crops, they would have starved. He said, oh, don't pray for us like that. But Samuel said in 1 Samuel 12, 23, he said, moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. You see, you, 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 don't, you don't help others by gloating in their failures because they didn't listen to you. You teach them and you help them by still going to them and saying, let me help you.
Let me help you understand what God is doing. Let me help you understand the goodness of God, the graciousness of God, his kindness to us, even when we think it's cruel. Secondly, we need to pray because it glorifies God. We saw in first, second Peter there, one, four, it says, he has given us what? Very great and precious promises. And each of those great and precious promises invites us to trust him and to receive and to secure from him all that we need for life and service down here. Brother Leo and Elizabeth just celebrated 50th years of being married. We're young'uns. My wife and I, we've just been married 48 years, 47 years. It's been so long I've forgotten. Now I forgot where I was going with this. Got myself in trouble. Great and precious promises that we forget. Pastor quoted my, my wife last week. There was one particular year when we were going through a lot of difficulties. And I kind of let it get, get me down. And I said, it doesn't even seem like Christmas. You know what she did? She looked at me and she said, but it's still Christmas. And even in the midst of the problems that we have, God wants to remind us that he's given us great and precious promises. Don't forget them. Don't become so familiar with them that you've forgotten their importance. It glorifies God. Jesus said in John 14, 13, and whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do. Why? That your suffering and stuff will be gone? No, what if he doesn't take it away? He said, whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Even in the most difficult times, God is glorified even if we don't understand it at that time. First 12 chapters of the book of John is concerning the life of Jesus Christ. Chapter 13 on is concerning the last week of Christ's life. Did you know that? And in John chapter 13, or John chapter 14 is when Jesus said that, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it, that the Father would be glorified in me. Well, John 17 in verse 1, Jesus said this. Jesus spake these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father... The hour has come. What hour? Remember during his lifetime when they wanted to make him king and he would walk out from the midst of them when they wanted to make him king? I mean, they wanted to glorify him. They wanted to set him on the throne. They wanted to make him king. Why? Because he was going to get rid of their enemies, they thought. They thought that's why he came. And when Jesus didn't overthrow the Romans, that's part of the reason why Judas betrayed him. He thought he had failed. He wasn't going to do what they thought he was going to do. Just like us, he doesn't always do what we think he's going to do. 
And so Jesus said here, he said, Father, the hour has come. This is why I've come. Glorify your son. What, what had come? His crucifixion. His time to die. He said, glorify your son that your son what? may also glorify you. So God is working in your life and my life through different circumstances to receive glory. And there's nothing more glorifying of God that when in the midst of these trials and these troubles that other people see the faith that comes shining through that we still trust him. Why should we pray or when should we pray? First Chronicles 16, verse 11 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Always. We should always pray. Ephesians 6, 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. There in 1 Thessalonians it says, Pray without ceasing. We, we, need, we need to make that the first thing that comes to our mind, not the last thing. And the way we do that is by putting it into practice. Oh, you won't be, you know, it's like anything. You know, you, you start off and you forget and then you come back again. And come, but the more you do it, they, take, they say it takes, what, six weeks of doing something for it to become a habit. And we just need to practice it. Going to him in prayer. We need to pray at regular stated times or maybe perhaps it would be better to say more purposefully. Okay? More purposefully. Psalm 55, 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Make it a habit. And that's what Daniel did. In Daniel 6.10 it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. What writing? The decree, you know, they were out to get Daniel. Sometimes, you know, as Yogi Bear says, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not really out to get you. You, ever, you remember that? You don't even know who Yogi Bear are, most of you do. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that they're not really out to get you. Okay? And Daniel went into his room to pray as he always did because the decree had been signed, got the king to sign it by his enemies that if they made prayer to any other god other than the king, they would be thrown into a den of lions. And so he knew that was signed and it says he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, what? As was his custom since early days. Colossians 4.3 says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. We need to pray when we're urged by the Holy Spirit. First time in my life, I was walking through Walmart the other day. Carolyn was a few feet behind me. A guy came out, you know, from the side, and I'm going this way, and our eyes just met, and I went on, and Carolyn called up with me, and then he came up, and he said, you know, he said, I don't know why, 
He says, but the Lord said I, uh, to pray for you. He said, is there anything I need, you need that, that I can pray for? That's strange. I said, yeah. I said, our son is in China now. He's working on trying to get his visas, his work visa, so he can go back and get uh, his work permit, so he can get his visas to be able to go back to China. They're missionaries. Hold on, Ken. Okay. Take that out. <clears throat> he said, okay, I will. And he prayed. Stephen just got back from China. He got his work permit in 30 minutes. And what usually takes a week or more, he got the next day for the visas. We, we need to learn to pray when the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart to pray for somebody. You might not know what they're going through, but God does, and he placed them on your heart for a reason. And sometimes when you don't know how to pray, Romans tells us that the Holy Spirit then will pray on our behalf. We need to pray during times of special need. Psalms 50 talks about calling upon the Lord in the day of trouble. And I will deliver you and glorify, and thou shalt glorify me. Barnabas and Paul kept silent, and uh, the, the multitude in the jail there kept silent, and Paul and Barnabas declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Acts 16, but at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You never know who's watching you as you go through things. If people are watching me, oh, you better believe they're watching you. And they're watching just to see how you react and what you do sometimes in difficult situations. James 5, 13, 14 says, any among you suffering, let him pray. Is he among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. You see, these prayer cards have been passed out for you to let the elders of the church know what your needs are. It wasn't for us to, 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 to come and, you know, put you on the spot and say, what do we, no, it's for you to let us know, okay? And we will pray. How do we pray? With humbled hearts. That's what Luke is. You, know, you look at the book of Luke, and there's two men that go into the church, into the temple. One's a Pharisee, and one's a tax collector. Now, that says it right there. He's a tax collector. We don't like tax collectors. In those days, they had even more reasons not to like them because they were crooks. Why? Because they would tell you how much tax you owed, and they would give that small amount that went to the government, and they'd keep the rest. Plus, these were Jewish tax collectors who, because they were working for a foreign governor, were looked upon as traitors. So here's the Pharisee, the religious guy, and here's the tax collector. And the religious guy, he stands up and says, well, God, I'm glad I'm not like him. I tithe of all that I have. I fast twice a week. I do this, I do that, so on and so forth. Now, what was he doing? He was boasting in himself. But the tax collector, he's over there. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He just beat upon his chest. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said it was that man that went from there justified and not the religious man. Why? He had a humble spirit, a humble heart. 
We are to pray with a persistent heart. There in Luke 18, in these parables, talks about the widow who came in night after night. She beat and knocked on the door. Persistently. But the judge finally came down. Okay. Say, well, do I need to make a pest of myself like that? Is that what we do? Is, that, is God that hard of heart? No. God just wants us to know we need to be persistent in our praying. Then with a pure heart. The other story is about the rich young ruler. And he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, well, you have all these commands. He said, those I've done. We need a pure heart. We need a pure heart. And then finally, we need a heart of faith. In Luke 18, the last part of that, it's the beggar came. Tried to get Jesus' attention. They didn't want him. They said, go away, go away. He persisted. There might be people that try to keep you from coming to the Lord. Guess what you need to do? You still need to come to the Lord. You need to be people that are praying people. You need to be people that believe in a good, merciful, loving, trustworthy Father. I pray that you'll be people. I pray that our church will be strengthened because of our prayers. I pray that if you've never received Christ as your Savior, that you would come after the services and talk with us today. That you too can have that faith in Christ that will carry you through those difficult times. Trust him. Believe in him, thank him, and praise him for who he is. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would just help us today to learn to be people of prayer. Father, when the burdens are so heavy that we're burdened down and we can't even speak the words, you will hear our thoughts. You will know our hearts. So search our hearts. Give us, Lord, the faith that we need. If there's some here today that don't know you as their Savior, they've never become a believer, they've never trusted you, may they come after this service and speak with us. We'll take the word of God and show them what they can do. For the others, Lord, that are here and they're going through deep, difficult, trying times, Give them the peace that passeth all understanding as the God of peace. Help them know, Lord, that you have their best interests at heart. And it's not our circumstances that always need to change. It's us that need to change in our spirit and our attitude and our faith. Bless, O oh Lord, for we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.